everyone welcome to the episode 22 of soul lead saturday the guest we have today triveni gandhi she took her prior education in political sciences but currently she is working as a data scientist at data iq i remember my uh, incident like when i did meet her first time that during the open data science conferences actually she was one of the keynote speakers this is how i know her so let's hear her career journey how did she find her passion into the data field and managed to be one of the leaders in the data space so thank you so much triveni for being my guest on solid saturday podcast really appreciate your time on the friday evening yeah thank you thanks for having me yeah thank you so much so so to begin with actually as i said in the introduction that you know you took your prior education in the political sciences so how was that actually um, being in the different study group yeah so i um, i came to data science in a very different way i did a phd in political science but you know i i realized towards the end of my time that towards the end of my degree that i wasn't really getting the the feeling that i was actually putting a real world impact out and so i decided that i wanted to do something that was more maybe in the nonprofit maybe in like the government or even business sectors mm-hmm. so then I, i i thought okay i need to probably have more technical skills more more of the kind of skills that that uh will be useful for me in the the real world and so um i had started by learning some r um i mean i learned statistics with stata mm-hmm. and i switched to r uh to make some nice graphics and then that kind of took off and then led me down to python and sort of led me to where i am now um so it was very much I mean I did want to be a data scientist I knew that that was something I was gunning for but it was also very much by chance and sort of um luck of the draw that certain things ended up where they did yeah so uh, you found your interest actually while pursuing your education in the political sciences uh, and as I, as you said as well that you want to be something that is you know uh, related to the real world as well like right so um talking more about that interest actually so what steps did you take to you know achieve that kind of a skill set in your profession mm. so i started i did um think about applying to some boot camps the data science boot camps mm-hmm. but then i i ended up getting like a a short term job at the time that i would have had to start the boot camp so mm-hmm. i had to go for the the job um which was good because then i got some experience on my resume mm-hmm. um but you know when i was in my previous job to data iq mm-hmm. i took the initiative to take this course on coursera just introduction to machine learning with python i mean there are, there are so many courses there are so many places mm-hmm. you can find the one that fits you, your needs but i just thought this one looked good and it was relatively mm-hmm. uh, cheap <laughs> so i thought okay this this is good you know i did that i started doing um little side projects on my own mm-hmm. um working with like friends on on things and uh yeah just sort of building out uh a skill set really of how do i take a question or some mm-hmm. interesting data set and make some meaning from it yeah i saw that actually you did a couple of certifications as well so that's right. actually so that is something value add to your profile always uh moving towards uh your volunteering experience as well as you already mentioned that you participated in the boot camps and everything so did that volunteering experience with the data kind also helped you to get into the uh, pursue your passion or the interest yes you know i think the um the data kind work was really great because 
it introduced me to a lot more people in this field. Mm -hmm. um, so it gave me some sort of like a uh, sense of community there. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also got to see how do these problems actually work in the real world, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's very easy for us to go to Kaggle and download some data set and whatever, but to really be able to say, okay, this is the data, it's very messy, or it has these problems, or we need to solve this answer. Uh, that's the kind of experience that's very, very beneficial. Yeah, and that is a very valid point, actually. I can also relate to that, that Kaggle data is very clean. It is good to start with, but definitely you need something that is real. Uh, what is happening in the industries is more or like a lot of efforts on the raw data preparation itself. So definitely that is a valid point. Uh, to mention that you should have that kind of exposure uh, when you are entering into the world, when you are upscaling your skills. Mm -hmm. uh, moving towards uh, one more of your interesting experience that I found is that, you know, you worked as a data scientist consultant, actually, mm -hmm. before working as a data scientist. So when you see these two different roles, right, data scientist consultant is more or like a middleware where you are dealing with both the sides, IT plus um, the business and when you see in the data scientist side uh, it might be with all the collaboration still but still it is different it is little more inclined towards it than uh, uh, maybe business but uh, i would like to ask you actually how you differentiate the roles and responsibilities between these two roles yeah so actually it's funny i think that title of data science consultant is uh, for that role that i was having at the time it was actually it was a data scientist role and now i would say i'm much more in a a data scientist consultant role uh, because Dataiku, we, you know, we sell a software for data science, but we also sell professional services. So we can come in and help people with their projects and get them, um, get the ball rolling on things that they, they need help with. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think the main thing is that the data science consultant is able to move in and out of projects very quickly and maybe has sort of a breadth of knowledge, even if it's not very deep. Mm -hmm. um, but then the data scientist is very much embedded in a team that's working on specific types of business problems. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there is an IT side to it, but it really is more about the uh, value add of that analysis to the business question, to the, you know, to the end users who are not data scientists. They need to know how does this data help me make a better decision or change my behavior or whatever I need to do. So I think that's a key difference there. Um, but in both cases, you are delivering value back to a business purpose, right? And even if maybe you're coming in to do support for architecture, right? Machine learning architecture or um, DevOps around that, it's still with the goal of maintaining good systems to deliver good results back to the business side. Yeah. So just to add into that actually question, uh, when we say data scientist, right, uh, do you find that gap as well? How do you work on the domain knowledge uh, when you are new to that particular domain? Because uh, lots of students ask me that question. Yeah. So, so I think, I think now we're seeing a trend more towards having experience in a specific industry. Mm -hmm. So all the different tooling, right? Because one, the tooling changes so rapidly. Two, mm -hmm. if you need to know something, if you need to learn something, you can go and learn it very quickly. Mm -hmm. But the kind of knowledge that you get in industry experience, um, knowing the ins and outs of machinery manufacturing or banking or finance or whatever your interest is, that is really valuable because that lets you actually make more 
sense of the data, more sense of the analysis. You don't, you know, if you give me a data set of like some sort of financial indicators, yes, I can probably go and research and do some crazy economics model. Mm -hmm. But is that really going to be more beneficial than a very simple and clear analysis that cuts to the question, you know, that gets to the point? Um, and so I think, I think we're starting to see a, a, sh a shift into more industry-related mm -hmm. expertise um, and people transitioning from that into data science. Um, so I would say, you know, for people coming into this space, don't be afraid of like the title data analyst. First of all, data analyst, data scientist, data engineer, yes, they all do have different meanings, mm -hmm. but they're all in the same space. Yeah. And, you know, getting the experience of understanding how this data impacts my industry or works in my company is way more valuable than like any sort of, uh, you know, like mm. machine learning course that you can do on the weekend, right? You that is very important. Like, you know, whenever you are applying something, actually it is more important that what, what can be driven from that, like what are the insights that you can value add to the business. So definitely that is the skill actually, uh, which can differentiate between the different roles. Actually, data scientists is specific to that, uh, which is towards the decision making, which can help business to make a better decision. So um, I remember actually your keynote speak was also around that actually. So trying to tell people that there are multiple roles, not only just data analyst or data scientist, there are all more like a production roles as well. Would you just like to list out those roles actually? Yeah, well, I mean, there are roles that don't exist yet, right? Or names for roles that we don't even know what will be in five years, right? Because what, five years ago, data scientist was this unknown thing, yeah. right? Five, well, maybe now it's maybe six years, six, seven years. Um, but it's a, it was an unknown thing. And so now we have a new set of um, opportunities ahead of us, you know, with changes in the global economy and things that are going on worldwide now you know, you can imagine that there will be a difference. And so, I mean, obviously the traditional role is always going to be like data analyst or data engineer, someone who's doing like pipelining of data. The analyst may be doing more, um, like more descriptive understanding and analytics. Theoretically, the scientist is doing like, you know, predictions and, mm -hmm. and statistical modeling. Although I think that there are data analysts who do statistical models. There are Plenty of data scientists, every data scientist has had to clean data at some point in their life. Like, mm -hmm. it's not this golden pedestal you're sitting on. And it, even like the title for me, data scientist, it doesn't, it doesn't really mean anything because I'm not doing what you would consider traditional data science day to day. Mm -hmm. right? And so I think it's important that we sort of disassociate ourselves from the role mm -hmm. and look, from the title and look more at what is the requirements for the job? What is the job asking me to do? Is this something I want to do? Um, because it's very easy to get wrapped up in all the title stuff um, and they don't really mean anything anymore. <laughs> That's very true, actually. Yeah. So thank you for sharing. Um, moving towards the next question is around the data science again. Um, that, you know, uh, what is your favorite algorithm, if any, and why? <laughs> That's a good question. You know, honestly, I think random forest is just so simple and clean and most of the time gets the job done. Random forest is till now the hundred percent win actually. Everybody yeah. answered random forest <laughs> because it's it's just a really good algorithm. Even like XGBoost is good, right? Yeah. XGBoost takes too long. I really like random forest. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> and that makes sense as well, actually, as you mentioned, it is simple and uh, it gives you the more insights easily. Uh, moving uh, on, one more thing actually I came across when I was uh, visiting your profile. So that was something related to the Banana Data Podcast, which Data IQ hosts. Yeah. Would you like to share more about it? Yes, of course. So the Banana Data Podcast uh, started, wow, uh, last year sometime, actually around this, this time last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the marketing team at Data IQ approached me and my colleague Will and said, you know, we want to start a podcast. Mm-hmm. You guys want to, um, to host it. So that was really fun. We're now recording our third season. Nice. So it's all available on iTunes, Spotify, all those things. And we really do target people who are either data adjacent or like trying to enter this field. It's meant to be um, sort of gentle introductions to these bigger concepts mm-hmm. um, and discussion of interesting things happening in the space. You know, and it's not for like the hardcore data scientist who wants to hear an hour of discussions of neural net architecture. Because um, that's not, that's, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> right. And so, um, yeah, we, I encourage folks to, to check it out. It's really good. And then starting this week, we're going to be doing um, LinkedIn Live for a few, I don't know if it's like, I don't think it's every week. It's maybe every other week or something. And it's called Banana Bites. Mm-hmm. So if you follow Data IQ on LinkedIn, then you'll see all of those, those updates. Thank you for sharing, actually, and people, please do, actually, because I listened a couple of episodes, and those are awesome, so Thank you. please follow that podcast, uh, and I use Data IQ as well, so. Oh, great. <laughs> awesome. So, um, moving towards your skill set, um, you already mentioned Python, actually, but still, I would like to, like, you ha- you learned both the languages, actually, R as well as the Python, so. Um, what is your favorite uh, programming language and why? Oh, that's such a loaded question, right? Because there's like this big divide and big fight. And I yeah, think it's really... but a clear differentiation, actually, why people go for R and not Python. But uh, still, I would like to hear from you. So I think people who go for R are more looking for hardcore statistics mm-hmm. um, and, you know, time series, different kinds of modeling. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to machine learning algorithms, I would argue that the Python scikit-learn library is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there are good libraries for machine learning in R as well. Um, I do think that the Python implementations are more considered more standard across industries. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why people tend to go towards that. Um, the other thing that, you know, I love R. It was my first language. It's like really, really does like have a special place in my heart. But I will say that for developers, for people who aren't actually working with R but need to work with people who use R, mm-hmm. it can be very difficult to program. You know, it, it, there's a lot of dependencies. There can be a lot of issues there. And, and frankly, it's because it was a language designed by statisticians. So mm-hmm. it, it is, there are naturally going to be limits, right? Versus Python, which is truly an object-oriented programming language. But I love R and Python equally, so I'm not going to pick a side. <laughs> That's true, actually. Every language has their own benefits and uh, like advantages and disadvantages. Right. So it totally depends upon what kind of a use case you're working on and what you're looking exactly. Um, moving towards one more question, which is like uh, very suitable for you because you belong to like a non-programming background. You didn't come from the engineering background, computer science or something, and you entered into the, you know, you started learning the programming. So mm-hmm. what steps one has to take actually to learn any programming language according to you? 
Yeah. So I, you know, I think it's, it's so different for everybody. So it's funny. My husband is a computer scientist by training. So he'll always like talk to me about like X, Y, Z or this. And I'm like, no, no, no. I didn't learn it like that. I just do it. And so it's, it's funny because I think people coming from very traditional backgrounds, they are, they're taught a way of thinking about problems mm-hmm. that then translates into their code. Mm-hmm. And when you learn programming on your own without that sort of structure, mm-hmm. um, your approach is much more like, okay, how do I get this done? Yeah. And less so, how do I make this the most efficient, elegant, beautiful code in the world? Um, so I started when I, you know, when I was doing R first, I was just like Googling all the time. Like mm-hmm. I just want a graph. How do I make my pretty graph? Yeah. Um, but then when I moved to Python, I was, I did a lot of like these intro courses that was like um, Python for everybody. I think there's like a Python for everybody or like Python the hard way, which is like an online thing mm-hmm. and free. You can just follow it. You can do the Python right there. Mm-hmm. And it basically gives you that introduction into, okay, what is this language like? What are the rules of this language? Mm-hmm. Um, and then as you understand the rules, you can then try to apply them and see where they break, where they don't break and learn more that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a couple of good resources, actually, you mentioned, I feel, uh, so people who would like to check it out, please do check out. I also need to check out, actually, I did not heard about this Python for everyone. So definitely I'll check out that as well. I think that's on Coursera and then Python the hard way is free. That's just like its own website. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the kind of person who learns by doing. If yeah. you're the kind of person who learns by reading, then you have to find find the right book or like the oh. O'Reilly books are very good. <laughs> yes. And uh, moving towards a uh, specific use case, interesting use case or the finding that you did around uh, data science or machine learning, hmm. would like to share with the audience. Yeah, I think um, I have a lot of like client stuff that I can't necessarily talk about, but we did do a project um, that was trying to use the camera on, on your computer mm-hmm. to say, okay, I'm going to hold up like a piece of paper or something, or I'm going to hold up this little thing, take a picture and tell me, is this trash or can I recycle it? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was really fun because uh, there aren't a lot of, there's like the pre-trained models for image recognition are very, you know, obviously very generic. Mm-hmm. So um, I found a data set of labeled like, trash and recycle data. So there was like a hundred points of like pictures of things that were trash, pictures of cardboard, pictures of plastic, et cetera. So I got to actually like retrain the neural network, the few last layers to teach it about, okay, this is, these are the things that we're trying to understand, trash or recycle or cardboard. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really fun because it was, it was interesting to see the neural network actually change and become better mm-hmm. once we retrained it on new data. And then um, as we started using the app more and showing it to people and all those pictures were getting collected, Mm -hmm. I took those pictures back into the original retraining Mm -hmm. and then added them as more data points to retrain the model. So the, to the model, so the model would improve. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Actually, is there any blog or something uh, that, uh... no, you know, we don't have a blog on this specific project, but um, I believe that there we have like deep learning with data IQ. That's if you just Google that, mm-hmm. you'll see, I think that blog post will come up. Okay. That's great actually to check it out. And uh, moving towards um, one more question actually somebody asked is about 
if someone wants to move to the data science profile, what skills should that person needs to focus in next two years? Kind of. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think all those standard things of like Python and algorithms and all those things are R, whatever you're looking to do. I think that matters, but I really think it's more about, you know, let's say you're in a job right now um, where you don't necessarily do data science, but mm -hmm. you have data or you're working with data, start learning how to build insights from that. You don't need a fancy algorithm. You don't need tons of data or big terabytes or anything. You just need to know how to understand your use case or know, understand your problem and how can you use data to help address it mm -hmm. yeah that's great actually to know as well and uh, um, actually the uh, the kind of field we are in right now actually it is kind of evolving as well right so whatever you mentioned those are kind of a basic skill sets that you always going to be there uh, and apart from that there will be always something new coming up actually there that's why people are more interested into this field and everybody is learning actually every day something new so it is not like a stable environment right now but definitely there are a lot more to come yeah, this yeah. Uh, moving like you are truly leading your space actually because you are a lot more active as well not only just day-to-day -day job you do the keynote speaking so um, what is your leadership style and uh, any specific leader that you follow or always admire you know I um, <laughs> I think my style is very much like everybody guess what there's a big thing we have to fix and then i just like run off and start doing it um i don't know if that's the necessarily the best style i'm trying to learn to be more of a leader from from the middle of the pack now too and say like okay i see this problem what do you think how can we build together mm -hmm. and i think a lot of that inspiration for me has actually come from elizabeth warren um i find her to be just like an amazing leader an amazing woman who's uh, taking the time to hear from voices that don't get heard a lot um, and make sure that those, their, their goals and their visions um, are given the same importance as like the most common ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Actually, yeah. people just sometimes hesitate to mention somebody's name and I'm like, it's fine. Actually, if you follow somebody, it's like always you find something unique about that person. And that's why you admire that person for, yeah. Um, it is not required always that it is like a very famous or the public figure. You can find something which is in your day-to-day -day job as well, but always you find and something like, you know, you aspire for, like, I would like to be that kind of a person one day. Right. So thank you so much for sharing. Uh, moving towards uh, one more thing is about uh, taking leaderships in the area you are interested in. So what do you think are the basic steps required like mm -hmm. you know, to take those leaderships? It's always a proactive thing, actually. It is, it is about being proactive. Um, and I think I learned sort of the hard way that it's less about going to someone and saying, uh, okay, I want to do this and I'm going to be this. Mm -hmm. Because they'll say, okay, well, you haven't shown me why, right? And so being able to go out and say, okay, I am going to build this mm -hmm. uh, system or this project, or I'm going to come up with these ideas and write about them, blog about them. That's where uh, I think you can show your, your interests and your passions. And, you know, if you're doing that mm -hmm. with confidence, people will notice, right? And that's like, honestly, and I think that's why I've um, found myself in like 
things like these keynotes, things like the, um, the podcast is just because I'm just very vocal. And I just say, Hey, like, I know stuff about this. You should ask me. And then yeah. we're like, Oh, okay, great. So, um, don't, you know, if you feel very confident or if you know that you have something to add, which you probably do, you should feel confident in adding it. Um, but it doesn't always have to be like speaking, right? Because not everybody is a speaker not everybody wants to be on stage, but maybe it's writing very good blogs. Maybe it's writing cool code, um, great visualizations. You can find your, your niche. Yes, that's very true. Actually, some people are good at talking, some people are good at writing, some people are good at articulating, but not able to convey that to the people. But still, it is something that you can create yeah. for yourself. And uh, it's very important sometimes, actually, if you have some idea, which can bring value to the table, uh, it's very important that you are a leader in that space, like, you know, you just communicate that. To the right. People. So it's important in any way you can communicate. It is not required that you always have to speak up, but yeah. there are ways to, uh, you have to learn which you, which you can you know, convey to the people as well. And I, and I think learning for me, learning when to maybe not jump in, maybe not try and be always in mm -hmm. front has been important too, because that, um, again, gives space to other people. Yeah. And it like gives me an opportunity to keep like, reflecting and improving my own like mm. ideas. Yep, yep, that's true. So thank you. Moving to the last question of this podcast uh, is more about tips and advice. You already gave a couple of actually good courses as well as well as you know a couple of resources online to mm -hmm. learn the programming language. But any specific tips or advice for the students actually who are already pursuing the education to get into this field, data field or there are professionals actually who are looking to change their career and enter into the data space. Any tips or advice would you like to mention? So if you're a professional already working somewhere, you're in a very good position to be able to say, I know a mm -hmm. lot of stuff about this industry. Mm -hmm. Now I want to understand how to use the data or whatever I need to do. Mm -hmm. That is very clear path. Mm -hmm. For students, you know, it's, it's a very different kind of thing because most students are not going to have a lot of experience on their resume, frankly. Um, so in that case, it is really about, you know, getting good internships, getting good um, volunteer opportunities, building out your side projects, building out your GitHub repository. Um, you know, the open source world, like the, the code base for Python and R and all these things, they're quite, I mean, they're quite robust and you can really make um, a good name for yourself there. By, by being an active participant. Mm -hmm. um, but also, like, you don't need to immediately, like, come out of your degree or whatever you're doing and say, like, okay, I need to be senior data scientist at Google, yeah. right? Like, that's not going to happen. Um, yeah. So be okay with taking the time to get there. I was a data analyst for two years, right? And now I'm not, I still don't consider myself a data scientist, right? This is, like, the title that's been given to me, yeah. but I'm more, like, this, like, hybrid thing yeah. um and so be open to different kinds of experiences yes yeah so very valid point actually because uh this data space is so much evolving that uh one industry can define the data scientist role and the other industry can define it in a different way yeah. so you never know like you know uh like what you are going to do in that particular job role 
what would be your roles and responsibilities so be open actually right. whatever learning opportunities you will get it's better to learn in that particular role and then move ahead yeah so thank you so much and okay. it was really pleasure talking to you and seeing you back again yeah <laughs> thank you so much thank you so much for having me yep it's all my pleasure and hope audience you will also enjoy this episode until we meet happy leading let's live together bye